I'm a diva. I'm a diva. I take you handle all this. I'm going home and going to bed. No, I said I need let my me beauty help you sleep. With this. Need my beauty sleep. I said let me help you with this. This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And this is Jacob Bratz with JLB Morelia, and you are listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. What's been going on, buddy? Nothing, man. It's 2019. 2019. New year to... Dominate. Do more stuff. Yeet. Another year to be alive. Yeet. That was a little much. That was a little too loud. I didn't like that. <laughs> I hurt my ears a little bit. Sorry. Yeet. Yeah, you can stop now. Is that cool? How was the holidays? It was good, for the most part. Did you get that pony you were asking for? Of course. Me too. I get a pony every year. My little pony. My little pony. My little pony. <laughs> are you a, are you a brony? A what? A brony. A brony. Is that a bro that's in the My Little Pony? Yeah. No. I doubt that very much. <laughs> well, I know you are. Yeah, I got a backpack and I got the pins with all over it and you the jeans. I got yep. the, the. I know you have all the action figures. The denim vest uh, with the patches. Yeah, yeah. It's got like a little pentagram, and then it's got the My Little Ponies and a little pentagram. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Nice man, that's sweet. Mm. Can you get me one? I can find one. Or I'll make you one. Sweet. I sewed it. I sewed <laughs> mine myself. Oh yeah. Stole a pair of my dad's jeans. That's how I made it. Mm-mm-mm-mm. <clears throat> so I'm excited for the year, man. We're about to get a uh, Kai Fan, Kai Fan. Mm-hmm. I gotta ask him how he pronounces his last name. But we're gonna talk about monitors. But before we got into that, we wanted to talk to you, let everybody know kind of how the year went and mm-hmm. how excited we are for 2019. It feels good to be back, yeah. man. Like that little break was kind of yeah. nice because now I'm like. Yeah, it felt like it was. Yes, felt like it was it a really like long a lot time. Longer. Yeah, it was only like what two, three weeks. Yeah, yeah, and it felt like a it felt like a long time. Felt like we haven't done a podcast for a while. Well, I mean, we haven't, but well, like a longer than. What it is Jimison? What is Jimison sending us? Oh, Paplins. That Riley. The Wiley Riley. The Riley Coyote. Dang, man. All right. These baby pop ones. So I'm excited. We got some really cool stuff lined up for the next couple episodes. Yeah. Uh, got some cool stuff planned. We started an Instagram um, mid-December. That's been going really well. So if you want to follow that, it's at Herpeticulture Podcast. I couldn't. There was too many characters for me to add the the <laughs> in front of that. So taking what I can get. <clears throat> yep. Um. Kind of regret not doing that sooner. Yeah, I kind of figured you. I'm, you know, I have. don't know what it was that I was like, man, I because sh- I, I had thought about it at one point, but I was like, no, nah, I'm not gonna do it because like, what am I gonna post? And then I was like, well, wait, I can do like the little audiogram things, which is like a one minute clip from the different mm-hmm. episodes and stuff. And 
There's plenty of memes on the internets to share and all that good stuff. Um, cool reposts. I don't know. It's just it's kind of fun. It's been doing well. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been it's been good. I like, enjoy it, but even though I don't, I have nothing to do with it. You, yeah, you you post anybody on. on Instagram if you see the THP Instagram. It's it's me. It's not Jacob. Well, just like everything else we do. You know what, man? It's only me. I'm kidding, buddy. Why do you hate me? I don't. Why do you hate me, man? I've actually got the time to kind of do that stuff. You're, you know, when you're at work, you're actually working. I'm just watching cops and yeah, smoking cigars. Lucky you. Yeah, you know, what can I say? I actually work for a living. Yeah. What's that like? Yeah. I actually do work. I don't want people to think I'm some like slacker that sits around. I do. Every time I I do have things to do when I'm at work. Okay. I have to know things about cigars. I have to know things about what I think. Things about cigars. I'm saying it's not just like, hey, buy this cigar. Like people want to know, like, what's this one all about? So what? do Do you study the cigars? I read about them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got to. That's real. Hard. I mean, Grant, that's, I can't. I can't memorize all of them, obviously, because the humidor's huge. But it's real hard work, man. <sighs> Shut up. Every time I drive by, because I drive by your shop just about every day, coming back from work. Oh, and you never stop been, in to say hi. No, I can't stop hmm. in the hmm. work truck. Hmm. I see you every day. You're sitting up in your chair with your feet up, smoking your cigar, not doing a dang thing. Yeah. I'm hearing straight jealousy. Yeah, I, I I am. I will not deny that I'm jealous of your job. It's okay. I don't mind it. The job, you, I do mind. Anyways, wow. so 2019, got cool stuff lined up. Excited to do it. We're done rambling. Let's jump into this episode so brats can shut up. Wow. <laughs> you're not even paying attention to me. You're on your phone talking to Jimison. Am I wrong? I mean, kind of half. You're half wrong. Okay, your girlfriend and Jimison. There you there go. There we go. Nailed now, it. Yeah. Now he's got it. All right. Episode 22. 22. Starts now. And we decided to start the year off with something a little different, not just snakes, because mm-hmm. we try to change it up. And we have Mr. Kai Fan here to teach us about monitors mm-hmm. and varanids. All that good stuff. What's going on, man? No, there's nothing. Just uh, just got off work, really, just in time and everything. Um, nice. Cool. Yeah, just uh, really cutting through the Bay Area traffic, you know. Yeah, because you're on the West Coast. We're on the East Coast. So it's yeah, 6.30 yeah. there? Yeah, it's just 6.30 here, right? Hmm. Cool. So we're... uh. I was I was actually told to hit you up to be on from Jeremy Keller. Yeah, because um, Jeremy me keeps. And Jeremy had been... Nope, go ahead. Sorry about that. What was it? You're good. Um, Jeremy has been probably. I've I've known him not not for very long at all. Maybe only like a few months. Um, oh, okay. And it was, it's yeah, it's just because of the the mango <laughs> monitors. I think. Um, I think I friended him because I saw he had a really he has a really nice looking adult mangrove monitor. 
Um, his is way different than like our typical ones that are more like you know yellow and green and stuff uh-huh. like that. Even the ones with blue are more typical. His are practically white and black. Yeah, and they're the you know as as they age, the pattern just becomes more white and black than there is any yellow really. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, that's that's the, that's how I met him. Is I just added him because he had the Bangerwolf monitor, you know, and nice. um, that's what I've been keeping for the last you know several years. I think at least yeah seven or eight years good now with with just this species alone. Nice, okay, cool. yeah. Because I messaged him and I was like, because he keeps he's a big carpet guy. He's got mm-hmm. a little bit of everything, but. He's got some monitors and stuff, and I was like, hey, man, you want to come on the show? And he's like, eh, you know, as far as the monitor stuff goes, I'm not really the guy to talk to, but he sent me to you. And so that's when I hit you up, and you definitely look like you keep a, a pretty big menagerie of uh, of big old lizards. So what, do you, what are you keeping right now? Um, so right now I have, I have six mangrove monitors, four adults, and two juveniles, um, the I have like a an, an older bigger pair that are more black and yellow mm-hmm. as they as my second adult pair which are more like blue and silver um, I kind of I kind of have those two they're not really morphs all they are is just you know um, it's kind of like uh, like colubrids or um, things that I guess share they're the same species, but different locality, and just just look, you know, look a whole lot different. But you can integrate them and things like that. So I've kind of, I haven't really located an actual like island or wherever they're from specifically. I've just kind of puzzled them by their color. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's really all I've done. Yeah, but um, there the mangrove monitors are so widespread that you know you don't really know what what you have or what island it's from. You know, they kind of just get imported in and right um, under. Under whatever name tag, you know, I think I think carpets and other morelas species, you know, things like that come in from all over the place and named incorrectly, you know what I mean? Things like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have six of those, and I also have a couple Kimberleys too, because I have tried to venture into the dwarfs, you know, just to, just to get get a hang of them. They're they're really like just the big monitors, but in a smaller scale. Exactly yeah, they the look same. cool. Those are really pretty. Yeah, yeah. I heard that you were trying to get into some of them too, right? Or thinking about it. I don't know. I, I've always, you know, had an interest in monitors. As far as you know, the same way I had an interest in dart frogs. You know, I always, I never yeah. had any, but I always kind of paid attention to them. Uh-huh. Kind of. My interest was right. more in like the really small species, like the stores and that kind of thing. But I don't, I don't. It's something I don't think I'll ever devote the time and space to. It's just that's a lot of. Yeah, you never know, animal. man. Some of those. Some of those things might come into your lap one day, mm-hmm. and yeah. you don't even get rid of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Jelenis, you know those those small types. Yep. Um, man, they're uh, they're fun to watch. Um, I don't really go hands on with my monitors like you would think, like you know, holding them every day. And um, I wish I could socialize with them like that, but not all of them even like that. You know, right. what I, mean? I try to give them their respect and and their boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, you know, unless I have to intervene or, you know, some of them are just cool to chin rub and stuff like that, but I have some that will, you know, try to take your finger off every single chance. Yeah. You know? um, and that's, that's the thing with keeping monitors is 
realizing that you have to respect them, um, no matter what size or whatever. Even the little the little guys, um, and and when they're small too, when they're young, you know, people just think that you can just get get a monitor and it's gonna be tamed or you know super docile. Yeah, it'll be a bearded dragon. Like, you know, mm. Right. Right. And um, it's not. Yeah, that's the sad truth about a lot of monitors. People people buy them and they're they're gorgeous and they may seem really nice to the glass or when they're cold, but you, know, you set them up correctly and you, you, you heat them a lot hotter than you know typical people that heat up snakes. You know they have to have a lot higher basking temperature. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they are a diurnal animal, um, and so they'll come chasing the sun and chasing heat as much as they can. As as well as hanging out in the shade too, but you gotta they need high high basking temperatures. Some of them, you know, that can handle one fifty, one sixty. Wow. Uh, that's, that's pretty high in, in certain yeah. temperatures, you know. Um, but uh typical like what I use is one thirty, maybe one forty. Wow. I notice that my species of animals don't hang around the, the heat once it's that hot. Um mm-hmm. they'll 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 just hang by it or They'll put a toe there or something like that, but they don't really hang out under there once it's 150. Um, I keep, I, I like the Indicus type, and that's that's the the type of monitors that they are. The mango monitors are Bradus Indicus, and uh-huh. there's species that fall under them that are all, you know, all of them are all mangrove types. They have this this band that's by by the eye that determines. Um, I mean, I guess classifies how a lot of people see indicus types. And there's like peach throats and blue tails and um, radis melanus, which is the Quincy monitor that everybody seems to really love. Um, you know, we have uh, tricolored monitors. Um, there's, and, and the thing is that those are just the ones that are popular here in the States, right? But, I mean, there's so many over there that, we don't even know exactly where they're from, only because you know you can't t- you can't really trust poachers and mm, yeah. you know, importing and exporting kind of always lie. And you know at the same time, people keep these these hot spots just like we keep herping spots. You know they they kind of keep them secret, don't tell everybody. You know things like that. And um, that's where it it's like these these islands and these lizards come in, and you're essentially trying to match a lizard to an island. And it's so difficult, you know. Mm. And there's a lot. There's like turquoise monitors. There's several different types of like mangrove monitors alone that they've tried to classify within the last few years. And I can't out butcher their names. I can't even pronounce half that. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, they're all like mangrove types and mm. Finchy and you know some other Ceram bonensis, um, a few other types. And there's those are. You know, ones that you don't really get in the states, and they rarely ever come in, or they'll come in on a fluke or something like that. Right. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's the clade that I keep. You know, that I like to keep. And there's people that keep like savannah monitors, and in that group would be like black throats and white throats. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, the other, yeah, the other monitors that are like that. The big, big ones. Black throats. Niles. Man. Yeah. Black throats get huge, man. Yeah, Niles are pretty gnarly. Well, it's unfortunate because Niles are, and Savannas are ones that we see the most often. Yeah, in definitely. pet stores yeah. and I want to say the most and... common, the most common monitor, and 
I'm, yeah. I won't go as far as to you, say the, the, the whole trade, but one of the more common ones I see is definitely the Savannas. I feel like a lot more yeah. people have them than necessarily oh, they're in the, should. Yeah, they're in the, the echelon of iguanas and oh, ball yeah, pythons for sure, and stuff. For sure. you know, as far yeah. as like the usual bread and butter you see it shows. Yeah, and savannas are definitely one of them. <clears throat> and I think it's like we just right, talked yeah. about a lot of people get them and they think that, oh, it'll, you know, I'll hold it while it's, you know, handle it while it's young and tame it down. It'll be like a bearded dragon and everything will be fine. Right. But, yeah. you know, it's... They're, yeah. they're, and, and, you know, it does happen. Like, people that put in work, you know, like they are willing to dedicate the first year or two. It's, it's almost like an iguana or, you know, um, like a, I mean, maybe a young bearded dragon. They go through this like teenage stage, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and where they're like rambunctious, they're speedy. They've actually know that they're, they've gained some size now, you know, and they're more, and they're aware of it. Is, uh, yeah, exactly. And they're more tolerant and they're more bold as they age. Mm-hmm. And um, you know some people can't really deal with that, um, and then a lot of times people just they really don't know what they're doing, like the whole res- respect and boundaries thing. You know, people mm-hmm. just pick them up and rub them and think that that socialization is always going to tame them, which can actually be counter-effective and um, mm-hmm. actually make them more mad or hold more grudges against you because you went and ripped it out of its it's tanked, yeah. you know what I mean? And, right. Um, the whole respect thing for Savannahs, like, it's it sucks because they come here probably less than $10 a pop, you know, wholesale. I would, uh, yeah, I, would, some, I believe it. Wow. Yeah, somebody that buys a 1000 or even 500 you know, a few hundred, they, 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 they're they so cheap. If somebody can sell them and make money at thirty nine ninety nine, how much did they come in at? You know, they came yeah. in dirty. 30%, so, yeah. Right. Ten bucks. And so you think about it like um, somebody is going to buy it. Yeah, he's going to buy it. And then the people that want to breed them, which there are, and and hands out to those that are actually trying. You know, they, they don't they don't care about the money. They don't care about the cost. They just uh-huh. want to do it because they just want to see the species succeed right. a little bit. We'll you know, see how many, something in, how many people all. are actually breeding savannas, though. Like think about that. Um, like how many how right. many captive so, bred savannas do you actually see in stores? Online? I think I see a case every year. I see something about every other year, or every year. Like last year, there was a guy. I, I, I totally forget his name off the back of my head, but um, he has some. Uh, there's a couple guys overseas too. So whether or not it's in the U.S. or not, it, it, it still counts a little bit. You know, just to the species alone and. Um, and some people share and some don't. Luckily, the ones that are that you know we try to grow up with happen to share and at least like you know let us know what they kind of do and and how they triggered the sexual reproductiveness and everything like mm-hmm. that. And it's uh it's hard to keep them alive. That's that's the thing is keeping female monitors alive in captivity for more than a year before they get egg bound or whatever mistreated and. It's essentially you have to pamper and take care of a female monitor really well. Like she mm-hmm. has to have nesting zones. She has to have a proper diet, um, you know, exercise well, or else she probably will, she'll die her first couple of years if, you know, a lot of the criteria isn't made as far as heating and food and also being able to lay. Um, I think most people underestimate their monitors. Some can go as, young as eight months to a year 
when they start to have babies and people wow. think, oh, it's too young. It's too young, you know? And once you heat it and feed it really well, chances are it's going to lay. And if you don't have like a nesting area, not it's not and it's not just like a bucket of dirt. It's not like how people do bearded dragons; they just shove them in dirt and they'll lay. Right. Or you know, it's this. It has to be very specific. They they are very in in tune to their nest box, where um, it has to be a certain temperature, moisture, mm-hmm. um, and then protectiveness and all that stuff like that, like. Is, is a male going to be able to come into this thing, or is this a good laying spot for me? Um, and she'll try to even determine that prior to breeding, is to know where she's going to lay, mm-hmm. and oh, wow. then then get it going. That that's how smart people think monitors are. And, I mean, they're super I mean, smart. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. You know what I mean? And so, and I think um, a lot of people don't where, realize that when they buy that, like any monitor, you know, without having a whole lot right. of experience with them, like they are way smarter than people realize. <clears throat> right. And so, you know, the typical setup doesn't really work too long. Maybe for a little one, it works for a little bit, um, you know, but then you have a big one that will, you know, toss his little water bowl, and then you have a big one that'll run. He'll he'll be so bored that he'll rub his face off, you know what I mean? And you guys have seen that, where animals hate their cage, and they want to escape it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and they try they, they rub their faces off, and... um you know, they don't have anything to keep them keep them busy. And it's not even just, like, interacting with the mon- another monitor. It's working out those legs. And it's like having a having a dog that you don't run with. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. going to go berserk on its own, you know. And um, that's what I do with my monitors is everybody has a nest bin, has soil to dig in, you know, things to climb and logs, stuff like that. And I'll hide food, and that'll be... That'll be some enrichment, but the digging and the whole like moving furniture, like they they do that in in an ease, and they actually like it, and it's good for them. Um, monitors are, I hope I'm saying this right, is microhabitus. Is they like to go and tuck away into a crevice or a burrow mm-hmm. or somewhere to rest or to, to to nest up or just they they'll hide and return. To a burrow instead of just like an iguana that will sleep on a tree. He may sleep on the same tree, but he's not going into something. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, and that's where that's where people don't allow. They don't allow their monitors to do that. And um, if they don't, it, that it's um, very very sad because it contributes to chronic dehydration and, and obesity. Um, I'm sure. Not, right and yeah and that all that adds to it. You know what I mean? It's like it just adds to the unhealthiness of that monitor, not being able to dig, not work, working muscles, so that, that adds to the weight, and then keeping hydrated inside those things, too. Mm-hmm. The hydration helps out with a lot. Like, these animals drink less because they're hydrated more, you know, and they keep on muscle tone and fat and everything like that in a more proper way rather than losing it drastically. Um and uh, I don't know if you guys have, like, studied turtles and tortoises, and, you know, the key thing to a lot of animals in that community, like pyramiding and stuff like that, has right. been contributed to now using human burrows mm-hmm. and things like that. And they are also animals that return to some crevice and yeah. stuff like that during, during the times of uh, where the weather is harsh or 
um, they just need to escape, you know, and the monitors are the same way where the burrowing helps them a lot. Not, not even just for the females. For the females, it's 100% important. But even for the males, you know, like the males need to, 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 to turn a lot of soil, um, you know, and just, just things like that to keep them going and really, like, build their muscle. And, you know, you don't really want to have a, a big lizard blob you know, for sure, um, something that's five, six feet, and you see them. You see them everywhere. You just don't really know because you haven't really like been paying attention to their their movements. But they're essentially a big monitor that can't run and can't climb. Yeah, because they're they're an active just... group. Like they're active lizards. They're not, you know, they're not right. stationary like a lot of snakes. Like they're mm-hmm. they're moving. They have a high metabolism. They probably have a high caloric intake. I'd imagine. And yeah. so when you have an animal that's not getting any exercise and you're feeding it, like, what, daily, a couple times a week at yeah. least, you know, that's that's a lot right. of calories going in that aren't being burned, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's especially if you're not giving it a ton of space. Yeah. That's just a recipe yeah. for, you know, premature death. Right. And you, you see it with a lot of animals, and it's <clears> good. Like, it's really good to have um, just uh, uh, an awareness of how they would be out in the wild. And it's it's kind of, you know, it's uh, kind of vague to just say it like that, but um, you've really got to take it as, like, they're outside in the wild, and they're exposed to a whole lot of different things that they can do, mm-hmm. not just a lot of, a lot of stimulus, and, right. Yeah, a lot, a lot of things that they can do, and our cages will never, never be good enough as what the wild can compare to, but, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you got to take People only see the soil and above. They don't see the soil and below. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way to explain what I was trying to talk about, like they really don't. They don't see all the digging and death that that these lizards love. Or when you can't, you know, when you're trying to catch it in the wild, like it took off underneath those rocks and it's gonna stay there and it loves it. You know, like those things like that. And you know, people disregard that. And you know, they do want a tame pet. And they, you know, they want, like, a, a lizard that is going to, like, you know, always be seeing them. And, and then and then the whole shyness is, is kind of stricken. And that that method, yes, works, but it also takes away from your animal's well-being every day. You know, like, there are training methods and taming methods that do work. Don't get me wrong, okay? Taking an animal and keeping it from hiding... A, it breaks it of that habit and at the same time allows you to manipulate it a little bit, play with it, and get it to socialize with you. But sometimes that doesn't work at all, and the animals is always going to be mean. Yeah. And you have to some go, them, go at it a different route, you know. Some of them just aren't meant yeah. to be, you know, the, the bearded dragons people want them to be or, yeah. or whatever, right. you know. But uh, as far as your yeah. setups, like when you say you give yours dirt, how much, like how deep are you talking about when you, like what are um, your setups uh, sort the of ne- the like? Nest, the nest bin, I, I try to have about 18 inches, maybe two feet. Um, that's oh, because wow. it gives them an option to lay. It gives me, it gives me a peace of mind too that, hey, they're not just designated to one little spot. Yeah. Because they are two foot lizards, you know, and digging two feet isn't that much to them, you know. Um, and then most of my average part of the cage is about 12 inches, give or take. Some are some are a little less. Um, like I've been raising my juveniles, I literally have struck stricken them of intense hiding, like 10 inches of soil, 
and I've only given them maybe two or three burrows instead of mm-hmm. ten, you know. Um, and then everything is facing me, facing the glass. So whenever I need to look down a burrow, all I need to do is just look at it, and then they're facing me. And so that right there gives them, like, all right, uh, he's not that bad of a person. You know what I mean? I'm seeing him all the time. He's, yeah. not, he's not ripping me out of this thing. And then I offer food. And that is your way in. It's even more incentive. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're, that's your way into to working with lizards. Uh, there's a, a really, really good monitor keeper. He's also a really good um, herpetologist and biologist. And I've actually been, you know, lucky enough to have been able to have him help me with these monitors over the years. Like, I'm talking 15 years, you guys. Like, I'm, I'm about to thir- turn 30 tomorrow. And uh, oh, nice. he's been helping me. Yeah, he's been helping me since I was like 16 or 17. Wow. And, um, you know, his name's David Kirshner. I'm hoping I'm saying his name's right. That um, sounds familiar. Australian, I've heard yeah, that name Australian before. monitor keeper. He goes by Croc Doc on YouTube. Um, and uh, he has this theory, or he has this, you know, um, I guess it's it, it's how is the, uh, an analogy on what on what we're trying to do here is. Um, like squirrels or bears at a, at a campground, you know, and you're going to go and you're going to sit there and you're trying to catch these squirrels or, or befriend this bear, right? And mm-hmm. this, let's just work with squirrels. And obviously you're going to try to befriend it, but you're first going to try to grab it. And what is he going to do? It's going to run away. Right. It's going to think that you're a, you're a bad person because obviously you're just trying to rip, you're trying to grab it and rip it off you're, the tree. Yeah, or, you're a predator. You know what I mean? You're right. And, and that is what you're doing to your monitor business. But now when you come there, let's say it's a different day, and, and the same squirrel or a different squirrel, and you're sitting there on the bench, but now you have nuts. You know, now you have sweet bread mm-hmm. or whatever they, whatever they like, right? And now you offer it. Then you put it down on the floor or you set it on the bench or wherever they're doing and then... They, they're going to probably go eat it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that is your way in. Like a, just building that association. With, you can come with food and yeah. you can come with nuts. And people do this in their backyard every day, you know? I got an with uncle that's doing that with some deer. Yeah, and he's got you one. Know, all you do is you're attracting them. And you're getting them to learn, like, hey, I'm the food giver. I'm not exactly the guy that's going to kill you, you know. A lot of these monitors, what sucks that majority of them are wild caught. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, it sucks that they went through hell before they got to us. They, you know, sat in a box, they sat in a shipping container, sent either a plane or, or boat, which even takes longer, you know, and, and they have to sit on another another platform for longer and then get divvied out to wholesalers throughout the states and who knows what they went through how many jerks you know really like took care of them correctly before they came to you you know um and it's just like anything anything that went through that is gonna know like well damn these things like ripped me out of the wild put me in a sack or in a little water bottle you know, shits me across this place. You know, no food, no water, or we're just trampled and tossed in a bag together. Yeah. You know, and so yeah, it's that, kind of that's amazing. What you that... have to remember. 
it's pretty yeah. pretty amazing that most of them even survive that, or that a handful right. of them even survive that. <clears throat> but as far as uh, like, what's what do you? How often are you feeding yours? What are you feeding yours? Uh, um, I tr I try to feed mine. I would say every. I go. I I don't feed as much as I used to. That's that's for sure. Mm -hmm. I used to be like, man, it, as long as it's it's ready to eat, I'm gonna eat it. You know, um, and it's really fun. That's that's the trigger for a lot of people why they get monitors. Feeding is fun. You know, mm -hmm. like um, just either whether it's live feeding or you chase them around with the tongs and you make them do stuff. Or, um, but I try to do like every three to four days. I used to feed every five to six days and only get like one or two days, but now I feed a lot less, and I notice um, it does help out with their physique a little bit. Um, and I, I mostly feed, I mostly feed mice and seafood, and then I have like a mixture of insects and stuff in between. Mm -hmm. um, I use mice because it has great bone content in it. Mm -hmm. um, they also, they also readily chase after the mice more than a lot of other stuff. And then I use like shrimp and crawfish. I'll use smelt fish. Um, you can use a lot of things. Some people use full cuts. Um, I really don't. I try to feed everything that has brain, bone, fur, gut, and like whatever content that a whole animal would have. Right. Um, not just not just like a slab of salmon. Yeah, they, they'll, they'll love that. They eat that. But there's no calcium in that, you know. Um, even if it did have a little bit of bone, it's not enough. And dusting it with calcium, then then that's just that you're missing still the brain and the bone and other stuff that a normal animal would have, you know. Um, so those diets, I don't mean to shame those diets. I just don't use them. Um, some people use like the San Diego Zoo diet, which is like ground beef and um, bone meal and other stuff like cow, uh, I'm not sure what else is in it, but it has to have the bone meal inside it to be the San Diego Zoo diet. Um, and it's just ground turkey or ground beef, and, um, you know, people have used that for, for years and years, and it seems to trigger a lot of a lot of animals' appetites. It really does. Huh. Um, you know, there's people are using a whole lot of diets nowadays. Like, I've seen people use, like, Missouri diet. Paleo. Um, the, like, the croc diet, you know, um, they use, like, they have the rectolinks now too. Uh -huh. Yeah, you know. Yep. And, um, I think people that are doing those sausage type things are adding um, a whole lot of like variety in them. Um, I'm not, yeah. So I'm, I just don't use them. You know, it's not, it's not that I hate them or I, I dislike them or something. I just, I just don't. Um, uh -huh. I, I keep, I keep everything quite simple. I don't have to prepare a whole lot. I just defrost it the night before and use it the next day. You know, um, I. I try to offer them as much variety, but at the same time, um, not overfeed them. That's now, like in the monitor corner, the mice versus rats thing is a pretty big debate as far as snake guys go. Is there? Do you have a preference between mice or rats for for monitors in terms of like fat um, I, content? I think, and yeah, I really think it depends on who is who is producing them. You know, because you can you can definitely. I've, I've I've purchased mice that are just obese. You know? Yeah. Um, and it really just depends on what they're what they've been fed. I try. I, I use both. 
don't get me wrong, I use both. Um, there for monitors, there's there's not much of that pickiness. You know, you can feed them straight mice, and that might be a problem, you know, because mm-hmm. there's no variety and kind of kind of fattening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And in the wild, I think mice is like the least thing eaten. They that eat, wouldn't surprise they're me. A, yeah, yeah, they're a reptile specialist. Um, they love crabs and like uh, like seafood type stuff, shellfish stuff, um, both from rivers and inland water and also like along the shore and all, all types of stuff yeah they, they rarely ever just eat mice and rats or squirrels or whatever they, they will but everything else is i think like lizards and stuff like that yeah wow i didn't realize they would eat yeah. other reptiles oh yeah i think they'll yeah, eat just they, about anything with, they can overpower yeah exactly with uh the monitors that i have right i once in a while will raise moles or whatever and I'll toss them in there with everything that I've watched my monitors eat over the years nothing triggers them more than another lizard wow no 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 lie like yeah they'll chase mice and they'll chase live mice like it's no other but man when a lizard is in there she like I've seen one of my big guys fly across the cage and (laughs) it was just after a tiny little annul you know like a little annul and this was a five foot lizard like he's like he's already you know, <laughs> losing it <laughs> yeah Dang. it's pretty neat to watch though because like keller posted a video on instagram the other day of him feeding his croc monitor and the he croc, had croc he had, he had a so long cool, he had long tongs and he was just making this thing chase it around the cage it was yeah. that thing was moving too man when those things want to go yeah. they go this, it was yeah. neat those things have some massive teeth to, to the uh the croc monitors yeah, it's literally like a, a test bite will mess you up so bad. Yeah. Crutchfield got bite to them is Crutchfield got yeah. messed up by one not yeah. that long ago. He posted pictures of it. Yeah, he almost man. lost his damn thumb. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know it's like with me now, I I get lit up once in a while and um it hurts like uh it's a lot of people tell you not to jerk and people tell you not to flinch, right? Dude, when a four-foot monitor is charging you... It's kind of hard not to, you know? yeah. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to. And I end up with with teeth. I have, I have one from a recent bite, maybe like a month or two ago, and I still feel the tooth in that. But I have one from two years ago, and the tooth, I can I, I feel this cut, and it's not, like, absorbed. It hasn't pushed it out. It's mm-hmm. just still there. And, wow. Yeah, man, I, I get... It, it's uh, The bite is no joke, and... You know, people kind of joke about using gloves, and you know they call each other like sissies and whatever. But I'd be using be gloves smart. all all the time. Be smart, yeah. You know, like it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not anything to glorify. It ain't nothing to be proud of when you get bit and you got to pay a bill. Well, that's that, the thing too. Is that that's right like there. a really unnecessary doctor's visit. Yeah, like when sure. they have yeah. to give you stitches it, and all the shots for all the bacteria, especially and stuff, when like, when it can be prevented with a, a cheap. You're gonna do that just yeah. for the dick swinging? Like really? Yeah, yeah. no. Everybody, everybody's got to <clears> hope be, it was uh, worth it. Yeah. No. Right, and you know, there's like that's where the fat is gone. If you've seen the price of croc monitors now, no, you know, I haven't. Five. Five to ten k now. Oh, they're really? Um, they used to be barely, maybe a thousand, maybe two thousand. But now because oh, like wow. you know they're it's like a fad because the internet, the internet has essentially made them like having you know a, cro- a komodo or having 
something along that line. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they're just, not far off, like, I guess. Yeah, and um, you see people buying them, raising them, so they're mid-sized and having to get rid of them because they've become they become adults that essentially you need to watch out for. It's like having a mean dog all the time in your backyard, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, it's not anything to be cool with because you have to you have your watch, watch kids, you know? Like, you can't be free around that animal. That animal has to be essentially restrained every time. Mm-hmm. And um, if it's not mean monitors, that's why people get rid of them because they are not pleasant to keep. They ain't no you know? fun. You have to really... Yeah, you got to be dedicated to keep that mean thing. Just because if you give it to somebody else, it's probably going to end up in, in in poor condition. You know, somebody just bit off more than they can chew. You know. Right now, see, like I said, I'm not too hip to to monitors and stuff. But are they similar to iguanas, where the males, once they get kind of a certain age, they get kind of ornery? Um, yeah, like that's that's what I was talking about earlier. Is essentially, they reach a sexual maturity stage where I've I haven't seen it like that. Where I've seen agamid males and I've seen iguana males and chameleon males just just go berserk um, during breeding season. You know what I mean? They're really aggressive. They'll they'll rip off the females' comb or bite them a lot. Monitors are actually supposed to be more. Uh, I'm, I say supposed to be, but they're they're supposed to be more gentle breeders. Um, mm. The females, the females though, if a female is not willing to breed, she can go ahead and kill your male. And if wow. your male doesn't have an escape route, she'll die. It's like tarantulas. Um, <laughs> there's, yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of people that are are putting you know male and female. Big water monitors together, man. That 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 female will go will go nuts on him if she's not receptive or she never she's never been with another monitor and she doesn't know how to act other than defensive. Yeah, because that's her basking spot and that's her water spot and that's where she goes. To, you know what I mean? Things like that and um and people don't they're not they're not aware of um, just the damage that they can do to each other. I have mine together and. I mean, I'm probably patching up the male or the female every other month. Like, I don't do much because monitors are really resilient. Now, I have females that are copying bites to the neck, and they're copying bites to the the arm and the elbow, um, and they're healing in, in like, a month or two. They're they're fully healed. It's just heart tissue. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and if you feed them and feed them really well, they'll, 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 they'll be fine. But... Mine, and that's where you know you see people beating white throats and black throats. You see people beating water monitors and dwarf monitors like crazy, but nobody breeds mangrove type monitors because they're they're known to just kill each other. They're just even whether they're the right sexes or not, whether they're receptive or not, people are just putting them together and and killing. They're just killing each other. Wow. Damn. Um, yeah, that's why. Like I'm. There's another breeder, his name is Andrew, and he also has, has produced mangrove monitors in the last few years, I think once or twice or something like that, and um, I think I'd be either second or third person in the United States to be able to, to hatch them. Um, and that was like luck. I mean, yeah, I was really working it, and I was trying to get them and understand them and stuff like that, but I was surprised that that one actually hatched, you know? Um, 
and I actually haven't been able to get and catch another successful clutch without somebody eating it or me actually missing it and, and missing the lay time. And I actually forgot that there were eggs in there and they just, they ended up dying in the, in the, in the nesting chamber. You know, How many eggs are you dry. getting in a clutch? Typically three to five. Oh, um, I think it. my biggest, my biggest is five. Yeah. In, out of a two foot monitor, um, you know, the monitor isn't really that big mm-hmm. and she's, she's laid probably half a dozen times, I would say maybe more, but I've only been able to catch two. My first clutch, my incubator and the weather here like spiked up to 105 degrees in San Jose and Damn. my incubator just, yeah, my incubator didn't do anything to, to recoup with that. And uh, it was my fault for, for not getting a better, a better thermal regulating system you know, mm-hmm. and, and like having having a better like herbstat or not, not essentially after that I got a herbstat um, and so that clutch essentially cooked to death and um, I had to cut those eggs open and dig out the babies that were in there I have photo, I have photos of that too um, and that, that sucks but then the next clutch I actually hatched those out or hatched one out out of that clutch and um, it's actually really it's hard Dude, it is like just getting them to like each other mm-hmm. and things like that. I've had to raise them as babies together, and that's the only successful way so far. Yeah, I was gonna say, is there like a way of like to where they need to be sort of bonded? I guess to where like that pair is that pair. Like you're not putting them with any other male or any other female. Like that, those two are together, and that right. is it. Yeah, that pair is that pair exactly. Gotcha. And, um, and pretty much, you know, I've just had them bond from when they were young. Even if they were separated, they can smell each other and see each other and mm-hmm. at least used to the other one, you know what I mean? It's, so yeah, it's familiar. I've, my my first attempt four years ago, four or five years ago, um, I actually introduced a female that I got and in, introduced to my original male. Um, and he was raised five years alone. And um, the female was actually with other monitors. And so she was fine, but he actually ripped her up. Oh, like, man. There was blood all over the cage. Yeah, I had to separate him out, and he wouldn't do the typical, like, breeding um, behavior, which with males and females, especially the males, they do, like, this head jerk, and they twitch, and they, you know, it's essentially, like, I don't know, them courting and things like that, you know what I mean? You've seen, you've seen snakes do it, and right. some other lizards, like, head, head bob, really, mm-hmm. you know, they just... A lot of head bobbing and things like that, and um, he wouldn't do that. He would just straight charge it, and um, wow. it, it was like there was no no training him and working with him. And um, I actually tried to do mutual zoning for about five six months, um, and that's just introducing them like in a bathroom or in a in a case that they don't know, you know what I mean, or in the hallway. And still, he would just he would just charge her. And I, I just like you know I can't I can't breed you and I want to try to to get into breeding so I ended up uh, rehousing him and yeah just uh that was my that was me learning essentially I thought I knew what to do you mm-hmm. know and you really don't I mean I'm telling you now and I've been keeping monitors for a long time probably 15 close to 20 years because even as a like a 10 year old I had you know savannas and Niles and stuff like that so. And keeping them the wrong way, you know, admitting to now, like in the last several years, 
really learning monitor lizards, you know, not just keeping mm -hmm. them in a box and, you know, pretending I know everything. It's like, no, it's like, dude, these monitors have, failing has taught me so much, literally. Like, it's usually a pretty good teacher. Me, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's taught me a lot, like just the, the, the incubator issue or not catching eggs at the right time and when to, like, calculate timing and, you know what I mean, just to go... You guys are the same ways when you guys have to, you know, I guess, brewmate some of your snakes and then warm them back up and then when to plug uh -huh. them in, right? It's like, it's almost the same thing, but a little bit more, just a tad bit more complicated. Uh -huh. It's almost, yeah, it's very, very similar. That's, that's how I trigger them to, to do the deed is, um, I don't lower temperature a lot, but I lower humidity and I, I don't feed them as much. I maybe feed them, like, for a big lizard two to three fuzzies once a week. That's not a oh, lot wow. at all. Yeah, that's oh, not wow. a lot. No. Yeah, and and that's uh that's what it would be like in where they're from, essentially the dry season. You know, they don't mm. always have it nice and perky, wet and all that stuff like yeah. that. It sometimes there's a time of famine and it's dry, less food, less water. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I've been trying to do is copy that in a sense. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And it's still hot it's still dry. It's still, you know, like good 80s there, but it's no longer wet, wet. And mm -hmm. it's now just um, just a water dish for them to drink, you know, because they still need to get hydrated, but it's essentially extending their their whole body into like, oh, well, now it's time to just chill and relax a little bit. They're, I don't know what it is, but it's just, once I send a whole lot of um, like food and moisture back into it, it just then triggers them and my female will go from not eating so much to then eating 10, 15, 20 fuzzies in one sitting and that's Ooh. three to four times a week. Yeah, that's a lot. You, it's, it's crazy from what I feed them on a normal basis and then what I would feed them during a time where I'm having, I'm trying to get her to cycle, and and all it is is you just pound them, um, and she won't she won't eat like a female like that can eat two to three adult mice and be full, right? But what I'm trying to do is because once they're cycling, or even when they do have eggs, they still need to eat and you know give their body sustenance, but at the same time they can't because the the eggs have filled them up. And so what I do is, and this is a trick learned from, like, John and Drana or, you know, other keepers where you feed your females tiny, tiny items. Like, you wouldn't think about it, but you're feeding a four-foot monitor crickets, you mm -hmm. know, and you're only feeding him, like, you're only, yeah, you're feeding him, like, Tic Tac, you know what I mean? Like, small things. And it's, it's, only, it's only enough just to keep them healthy still. Right, you keep know, their systems enough, going. Yeah. Exactly, and you don't want to take away the food and water completely. That's not, it's not what you want to do. You know, it's mm -hmm. your then you, then you'd be you you can actually kill your animals that way. You know, and for about two months I do that where they're not fed very much at all, maybe a month and a half. And once I get to that two month mark, I'll then just hose them down every day, multiple times a day, and just pump them full of food. I feed and your female has to eat as much or twice as much as your male to deliver, to to be able to 
carry on enough to cycle, you know? Mm. Do they lose their little minds when you start offering them a food again? Do they get, like, extra... Yeah, Extra they know. Hyper. They know cause, <laughs> yeah, there's like there's blood everywhere. I cut everything into tiny little pieces, and they love eating it that way. You know, like um, yeah, it's a bloodbath. Um, I try to use like even with the small animals. I try to use bigger, bigger um, like adult adult live prey. Um, not that I feed like a an adult mouse to a small ackee. I just cut them up. And they have really good bone content, and essentially that'll be providing that for my lizard instead of feeding pinkies and fuzzies. Pinkies and fuzzies aren't that much, you know. They're, they're yeah, they're they're, they're kind of low in their nutritional so, value. Exactly, and so they're just meat. They're just little meat pies, and that's it. You know what I mean? They don't really have too much calcium mm. in them, and so I uh, I inject, and I also dust almost every feeding. I, I dust a lot especially for the females like they the, the the pinky and the fuzzies if i use them they have to be covered covered in calcium do you just use straight calcium or do you use like a multivitamin with d3 or what's the yeah i, don't, I actually don't use the vitamins at all i really don't i just use the calcium d3 and um the pink reptile one i've used that for years and years and years and yeah i don't um i'm to tell you the truth i've like, I've never used anything else, even for, like, my vegetable eaters. Mm -hmm. I've just, I just used the same. Do you use full-spectrum lighting with yours at all, too? Yeah, I use UV. I use UV for, I would say, at least at least half of my monitors. Some of them I don't have UV on. Um, more so of just the, the strip of light, and that's it. You know gotcha. I mean? The whole UV thing with monitors, it's, I believe it really depends on diet. Now, if somebody is feeding a lot of, a lot of animals that have calcium, like vertebrates, right? If you're feeding a lot of vertebrates, then the UV necessity isn't needed as much. Right. But if you, if you're feeding like an Aki strictly, strictly bugs, you should feed with calcium and use ultraviolet rays. Um, and this goes for savanna keepers or other keepers that want to use strictly insects because, you know, they've heard that wild monitors, like wild savannas, eat mostly invertebrates, which is true. You know, gut content from wild ones shows you large snails, snails scorpions, yeah. yeah, things like that. Um, also, large locusts and grasshoppers that they have over there, too, in abundance. Um, and, you know, people have going, been going that route, but forgetting that, well, if you're going to go that route, it's just now like a bearded dragon or a chameleon. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, What's now the point? it's just eating insects. Yeah. Right. And you now, but if you start introducing more rodent or you start introducing, um, you know, things with much more calcium and just along the lines of being a vertebrate, you then, I believe, use less, need less UDD. Mm -hmm. um, to tell you the truth, for years, maybe 10 years, I was one of those people that did not use UVB at all. But I wasn't breeding and wasn't trying to breed then. And have you and noticed now, a difference as far as offering UV when you're breeding versus when you, like, weren't? Yeah, yes. Has a, does uh, that have a big impact on your females, like, I guess is the word. Right, and, you know, I'm more so of, it's just, 
what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to promote everything that they're doing in the wild. But why am I not using the sun correctly? Right, you know what I'm saying? right. And so that's where I'm like, okay, well, UVB, I'm actually looking at all these breeders, and they're using it too. They're just not saying it, or they don't have to say it because you didn't ask, you know. But right. once I did ask them, and I asked them, hey, are you using UV or using power sun bulbs or whatever, right? And they, they say, yeah. And I'm going to copy success, you know what I mean? And I'm going to at least, like, see that that's working for them, and why not try it? And going towards eating for eggs and, you know, processing calcium the right way, things like that. And, my, you know, UVB is that bold, you know, and so that's where I've, in the last few years, have incorporated UVB. And it's, I think it provides lighting, better lighting, too. Your monitors do more and see more in that type of lighting. Um, and then also with the eggs and stuff like that. Right. And just... Helping, helping my female along with cycling. I'll, I'll notice them bask underneath the UV lamp sometimes more than just the heat lamps. Mm. That, I always that wonder if it like feels good to them. <clears throat> like you ever see yeah, like, like they're, a like they're, bearded? They're chasing it under UV, just sitting there. I'm like mm. it must feel yeah. good, like for them to want to spend that much time yeah. there. Like there must be something about it. Right. And when you bring a monitor <laughs> that has never been out outside in the sun. Mm-hmm. He's gonna act different. He's gonna act differently. He'll essentially, like his third eye will kick into gear. Mm-hmm. It'll tell him what type of what part of the day it is, you know. And he'll actually be like, "Wow, this is so bright out here." You know? and, um, <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll just act he'll act differently. What oh, is man. that? <laughs> oh, so if somebody's getting into monitors, what's what's the species you usually recommend? Like, what do you? Yeah, that was that was going to be my question. You know, if somebody walks yeah. up to you and says, you know, I want to get in the monitors. I want a Komodo you know, dragon. <laughs> what what direction well, do you put um, them in? I, I guess I would ask them about their, their previous. Um, it's all about what a person can handle and, you know, where you're going to send them as far as that, that recommendation. Um, some people, you know, they've had, like, they've had plenty of animals, you know, have, that have dealt with, big lizards maybe on the side or, you know, have worked with an iguana. And essentially, in a big, a big, if you work with a big iguana or something along those lines, big snakes, even those, you know, because you have to have a sense of respect and uh, boundaries for yourself, too, and a sense of awareness. You mm-hmm. know, that's where keeping monitors is really important is, is you got to really be on your toes, you know. And um, if somebody has already had good experience, then I don't, mind recommending like an Argus monitor um, you know if they have have no space issues they are okay with I would say one of the most rewarding monitor lizards out there okay um, it's, then go with that Argus um, I wouldn't recommend anything else off the top of my head you know some people recommend like black roughnecks um, they're they're a lot of times wild caught, and I'm not going to send you the wild caught way. You know, I'm going to send you to, or like an Argus monitor, which is uh, 90% captive bred. There, they still come in wild from New Guinea, I believe, but many people are breeding them here in the states. 
Mm-hmm. There was someone so selling one on Craigslist here a couple months ago. I'm trying ago. to think right. of what that species looks like. They look I, a lot like like goannas. Yeah, I still, yeah they're, they're, they're really that, similar. They're the yellow and green spots with black <clears> and yeah, uh, and that's you know that's for somebody that is like you know he's I don't want a little one and I want a picture monitor. You know, you, you hear those types. They're like, oh no, no dwarfs because you know they're. I don't know. They make them feel less, less of a. Matter. I don't know. I mean, I what know, dwarf like, species you know? do you? Let me see. But that, what I would recommend is there's a, a handful of them. You know that are probably really good. Maybe if someone doesn't want to break the bank, just just a yellow ackee. Yeah, um, that's that's uh, know, that's what I was thinking, or at least I wanted to ask is you know are somebody who doesn't want something as big as you know say an argus you know i don't know their exact length but from what i can see they're not they're not sm- a small species by right, any, by any yeah. means so I would say are ackies a good option for you know someone who wants to stay on the smaller side yeah i would say an ackies um you can they're all they're only available captive bred and I believe, you know, because of there's a quite a bit of people now breeding them, not just a, a handful of select people. I would say, you know, maybe easily you can find twenty to thirty Aki breeders right now. Yeah. You know, and um, and you can find them for two fifty, three hundred dollars, give or take. You know. Wow, that's way cheaper um, than they used to be. Yeah, they used to be like four or five hundred bucks. Yeah. Easily. It's just, you know, now it's just supply and demand, and, you know, there's a lot of supply, and so um, the, the, the prices come cheaper and stuff like that. And they're always, what they are is, they're rewarding. They are okay with your mistakes, you know, that you will make mm-hmm. along the lines of learning, you know. Um, they are, they do everything in front of you. They'll breed in front of you and all that stuff, tong feed, <laughs> right from the get-go. And um, I wouldn't say that monitors are exactly like, like you know, things that you imprint, like birds and stuff, but very, very much so. It's yeah, not like far off. Animals, mm. You know what I mean? You just, you work with them and you, you try to, like, gain their trust and essentially, you know, show them affection and, and care. And, I mean, essentially you're imprinting that animal to just, really be so used to you know what i mean and um you work with it from like that you know you try to sneak in chin rubs and you know tongue feed it and it's gonna love the food that you give it you know yeah um, like the small species just, are what really interests me the most as far like this like i said the stores monitors were mm-hmm. picked were ones that i always saw as a kid and was like man those look really cool but i never see any of those available um yeah um with the dwarf monitors what it is is uh, unless they're like Ackies or whatever, everything has either been already sold, has a waiting list, or is gonna sell right away. You know, and so um, right. it's just it's just how it is with Kimberleys, with Jelanes, with um, stores, um, Kingorum. You know, uh, yeah, I'm trying those. to. I'm looking right now. Am, uh, Amber Purvis. Just uh-huh. produce some, and I'm trying to figure out what species it is. I'm looking it up right now. That's why you're hearing little bits of music. You said Amber Thomas, right? Purvis. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. What species is that, man? Uh, yeah, it's a king kingorum. Yeah, so it looks pretty cool. Bunch of, and they are they they are um and 
people just uh, sometimes they don't know what they have. They these these are these are pretty rare monitors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as them being here, they've been here for a while or came in from like a UK or stuff like that. But you know, a lot of the door species are all caster bred except for like chimmers that still come in wild caught. But um, you know, they they're they have already essentially been past that point once they're sold to you that they've been kind of imprinted on and somebody has worked with them and oh the dwarf species man they are like I said they're really rewarding they come out and they're essentially a big monitor jam packed into a little body and that's it you know and um, they do everything the same uh, pretty vigorous with eating so you know if someone can just accept the size a little bit which for the most part is a plus I mean, that's the way I see it. Foot cage. Who wants a 12-foot cage, you know what I mean? And right. I'm dealing with 4-foot lizards that need an 8-foot cage. That's already a lot. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's the regular upkeep that people, I think, really mistake. You know, it's a, the heavy buckets of water, you know? Like, mm-hmm. that is... That's why, unless you have a training system and a hose system that's connected, and all you gotta do is flip a switch, right? And flip another switch, then you know that's very simple. But most of the time, you're shuffling buckets around, and it's uh, labors of love, you know. And that's where people need to see, like, all right, I'm gonna do this, and I gotta do this the right way, you know. Have you kept any of the tree monitors? I have. Yeah, I've actually. I've actually killed a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, Those always interested me too. Yeah, yeah like the, um, the green, tree monitors, the green, the blues, the blacks. Fun. Yeah. yeah, they're years ago. I saw fluke the blue tree monitors, and that's what that's what the pet store owner that I was working at at the time got. And um, man, we I I probably killed half a dozen. Not <sighs> no lies. Like they wow. left them to me, and we didn't know what we were doing. We kept them in two by twos and fed them pinkies and kept them hot, but like they, they, I don't know what it was. They didn't want to eat pinkies anymore, and I think I was just they, they had gout from just their diet. Wow. And um, obviously, I was keeping them wet, but not like humid, you know. And um, you know, I, I, at the time, like I, I didn't know the difference. You know what I mean? I'm just spraying them, and. Um, yeah, they, they ended up, you know, one ended up getting bit by a mouse on the tail. It got infected. It died. Um, you know, just, but yeah, just, just a, I was young and dumb, and they shouldn't have left me in charge with those things. But <laughs> no, no one else was going to do them, you know. And, yeah. and it was a learning experience for me. And they're, I've worked with them here and there, you know, through other people's collection. And um, I've had some here for a short time. But, um they're, it's not that they're not my thing. It's uh, I have I just I just like the bigger, bulkier guys for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But they're I want to get into black tree monitors if I ever get the time and find them. Um, they're if you haven't heard, I think there's going to be some monitors put on the Appendix One list, um, and so they're now no longer going to be imported and stuff like that. Yeah, um, that doesn't surprise uh, like, me. Think like blue trees are gonna go up in price, and there are a handful of people that are breeding them here. So, you know, luck, good luck to them as far as their success. Keep on going like this. This guy named Hein Win, 
who's been successfully breeding blue tree monitors, and I believe she's out in Vegas. Um, and that's a, where monitors have come, you know, from 10 years ago or how 15 years ago or however long you want to look back. Man, it's, it's come a long way. You know, it, yeah, it has its ups and downs, and there are, you know, like crooks and people that you don't want to work with, but as far as working with monitor lizards and the info being traded and uh, what's out there as far as uh, published stuff and things that you can just find and not have to, you know, like dig through somebody's brain just to get this information, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, um, and success has come a long way. Yeah, you know? I mean, the hobby has come then, a long way. Yeah, back then, you know, like, it was really only the reptile whisperer breeding green tree monitors, and that's uh, Catherine Brown. And she was the only lady really doing it. And now there are half a dozen or more people that are breeding green tree monitor lizards. Um, and it's, it's really good to see. You know, it's good to see that these animals, they come in in such tough shape, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it'd be a shame that they just be a Nile monitor or end up being a Savannah monitor, you know, but mistreated, they don't care. Even if they bred them, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, that's how the community kind of, kind of treats it, where I actually see breeding Niles and Savannahs much more success than breeding a water monitor. Yeah. You know, everybody's doing water monitors. It it's just sucks, because... I'm, I'm not going to lie, like, there's a lot of, like, gin and... Kevin, they share a lot of information, and they're really great guys as far as a hobby goes. Mm -hmm. And whatever they do is, is is amazing for water monitors. But like to see somebody doing savannas and and Niles, it really in depthly, that's really hard to find. Yeah, and it sucks because you walk into like a pet store and you see Niles and savannas, and it's almost like they've kind of, in a sense, sort of become like the trailer trash monitors of sorts where it's like yeah there's one at the flea market there like some sucker's gonna walk by and see a tiny Nile monitor for 40 bucks and their kid's gonna want it and then in mm -hmm. no time it's unmanageable and nasty tempered and a problem and yeah it's unfortunate because I mean I, I've I mean hell I've seen Niles before and I'm like man those look cool like those would be fun but then I'm like that thing's gonna be a big and it ain't yeah. gonna be fun anymore like <laughs> I mean that's that's why there's uh tegus running rampant in Florida you know yeah. it's, well there's some there's Nile monitors in the yeah too. it's like that's why yeah. you know it's those what you just said is exactly why you know Florida has such a invasive species problem you know, people getting these, you know, small, cute little baby lizards, Ohio's. and all of a sudden they get big and big, and they just let them go. And Nile monitors, tegus, yeah. Burmese pythons. They're finding, they're finding they're finding everything over there. Chameleons of all kinds. Ohioans, toke geckos. Wild. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, just just a whole like there's things right, and they're online for sale, and it's they're wild, but from Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. become like that almost a novelty crazy. thing. Like people now are like, "Oh, I got a Florida berm." Yeah, it's like, like really? No, yeah. you don't. It's a Burmese it's python. A Burmese python. That was where it wasn't supposed to be. Yeah, and you yeah. just grabbed it and kept yeah. it and saved it from getting euthanized, yeah. which would have happened. Congratulations. Probably what should have happened. If we're being honest, I'm. Yeah, it's, it's it's really tough. Um, you know what <clears throat> what happens is like people with breeding these lizards. You know, unless they're a hot commodity, like let's say Kimberly Rocks or 
or green tree monitors or, you know, something that someone will really cherish. You know, they spent their money, hard-earned money on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, man, though, those animals, I don't know, it's like, you you want the other ones to really get the same same respect. You know? Yeah. And, um, it really sucks that you have to, I see a lot, a lot, even ones that are expensive, you know, and people buy them and end up when they're three feet and they're too much of a lizard already, you know, and uh-huh. um, it really it really sucks to see them like that. And so it's um, I would say unless they're one of those high commodities, they they're just going to get treated like trash. And uh, um, you know, I you know, I I would say the the big monitor the larger monitor world would be similar to that of the the big snake world you know yeah. uh the burn the people who not i'm not gonna say all people because there's you know lots of people who keep them properly but you know there's plenty of people out there who see a baby burmese or a baby retic and say oh that's cool it's not too expensive let me get it and all of a sudden you know a year later the thing's pushing you know six seven foot long and you know, it's not manageable, and I would say monitors are almost exactly like that. You know. Um, yeah. But exactly, just getting into that. Um, I don't. I don't see it getting any better unless there's some like more strict rules on it, or like right. you know, there's people that are are going to be better with with selling animals. You know, and I think we've like. This year alone, I think I've saved about six or seven just mangrove monitors alone. Wow! You know, from 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 burns or or uh, handed over to me or ones that I actually just paid money to rescue from somebody. You know, like right. I I've I'll rarely ever do that, but man, if I see something in, in tough shape, I'll offer somebody and I'll just I'll buy it. like there was this guy in in uh, like Northern California, and I drove maybe four or five hours, paid him like 300 bucks just to take it, you know? And right. this thing had like a busted hand, but he didn't, he just kept it in a bin with some dirt, the mud dirt, and the, the, the infection just got worse, and I was like, man, I'm just, I'll, I'll do it, you know? And there's a, like the Wood Niles and Savannahs, they just, they end up in rescues or end mm-hmm. up being just mistreated, you know? Yeah. It's and I'm assuming Niles are horrible, man. Niles are just as difficult to get breeding as the savannas are, from the sounds of it. Yeah, I, being someone that is dedicated to the the mangrove monitors, I would have to see someone solely dedicate their time just to Niles. Like I think mm-hmm. there are maybe one or two people that are out there seriously with pairs, you know, and seriously trying to work at it. Maybe I think a year ago or possibly two years ago now, there was a successful hatch of captive bred Niles um, by uh, I think his name's Dorian, um, and he uh, hatched out some. He works with I believe Niles and Varanus ornatus, mm-hmm. which is that you know that ornate ornate Nile monitor that everybody calls. Um, and those are also another species that no one else really works with because it's being dedicated and you have to have like huge amounts of room um, also be willing people I think get into breeding 
and want success right after they plugged in all the work. And it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like these animals kind of... You can do everything that the animal... That you think the animal likes. But at the same time, like, it, it may not breed for you successfully that first year. And you'll take another year and another year just to learn these animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where people, I, I think, they give up. Where, man, it's taken me this long... For one, it costs twice as much to feed monitor lizards than it does any other any other reptile. Yeah, I think, probably you know. more than that, I'd imagine. Yeah, and um, so there, there, there goes one high cost. And then heating—that's another high cost. Also, space mm-hmm. and, and having to sacrifice like a ten-foot cage for two lizards. For you space know? for a ten-foot cage. Yeah, and <laughs> space and just just that alone and so people think you know well damn now when I get them to breed I either charge a whole lot and maybe break even and then if you charge a whole lot you're not even going to sell them you know because mm-hmm. people are going to just go buy the $50 one right. and that's where people that's where you see people getting out of the game or they're, they realize that it's it's no longer cost effective or it's now just it's costing just way more than it should. Mm-hmm. And that's where people get out of um, the hobby or they'll get out of keeping certain species or they'll work smaller, um, you know, and you see people giving up then. This is why we stick to snakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Snakes spoil you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really When do. it comes to time and, and most of the time space, it's like, meh, whatever, I can right, get one You guys more. are lucky you only have to deal with, like, 60 days of incubation yeah. or something like that. <laughs> I can yeah. I can fit another one on my shelf somewhere. Yeah. You know? I've got an extra heat pad laying yeah. around. This this will work. Yeah. How I'm long like, do you... I'm over here at 200 days this last one hatched. Is that how long it takes? Days. What? Yeah. yeah. I thought Cresteds took forever. My God. I had no idea they took that long. Wow. Yeah. Some of them, I think some of them are longer. I think lace monitors are nine months or something like that. Wow. Um, and they they go through a seasonal change, too, where um, I, most people don't realize, but lace monitors, there's a that guy that I told you about, David Kirshner, mm-hmm. um, who kind of helps me out. He actually breeds lace monitors and uses his to show everybody, like, all everything that he's learned is from the nest box, from his 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 HQ, like his headquarters center, like all his wires, so how he sets up his cage, you know, what to feed. He actually made super informative videos out there. Um, and again, his YouTube is CrocDoc1. Mm-hmm. C-R-O-C-D-O-C-1. And he has a lot of YouTubes on training. He has YouTubes on breeding. Um, he, he has just, just miscellaneous stuff. So it's like uh, if anybody were to listen to this and maybe catch that part, man, like if you were to get into monitors and you wanted to do it seriously, that would be one person to follow, whether you follow him online or you follow him on forums, which aren't really much nowadays, or you follow him on um, on YouTube. And he's he's very uh, informative. He's Typically, if you're respectful and, you know, you kind of have something for him to help you with, he's, He's there, you know, like 
he'll answer you whether you're somebody or you're nobody. You know? I've heard his name before. Is he in the States or is he in Australia? No, he's in Australia. Okay, he's gotcha. actually, there's, if you have, if you've heard, they're building another zoo in Australia, and he, that's, I guess, um, he's one of the curators there, or one of the actual people that are building that zoo. Wow. Um, yeah, so he's definitely somebody to pay attention to, and if you want to get into the monitor world, just wouldn't steer you wrong. He'll try to literally dig up the work for with you, you know, and maybe like he's not just going to tell you answers all the time. You get what I'm saying? Right. But he's going to make you kind of formulate your own. Yeah, he's going to yeah. make you kind of dig it out too, and and that's what he helped me with. You know, it's, it wasn't like I was an immature kid or whatever, and he just kind of set me in my right ways. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um people like that you owe to in this hobby where they're they're willing to help you out but not just give you stuff you know what I mean hmm. yeah there needs to be more of that sure, like yeah. use your critical thinking hmm. yeah I'm just gonna give you the answers where, you know use your brain that's where it comes comes in because people can give you all this information right and if if it were if it were that easy I'd be popping monitors out of my ears you know but <laughs> I think a lot of people it, would it, be it really, yeah it really isn't like this information is out there but how you utilize it is is everything. And sometimes, like, people, it's not that they steer you wrong. It's just that information is not going to apply to you, you know. Somebody in in Washington or, or um, you know, a colder state uh, will not, will probably be using more heat and more, more heating elements than somebody in, in Florida, you know. Um, just just things like that you apply things a certain way and you know sometimes doing things that are unnecessary for your climate things like that and it just doesn't work out or maybe you might not be using enough you know what I mean just just because you went off somebody's somebody in Florida because he uses less heat and he uses this and that well that he probably keeps him outside they're in Florida they probably keep him outside year round right and they're lucky you know, and us, I mean, and us over here, or you guys in a colder state, you know, you have to, like, utilize much more heat. And, um, you know, it, in Southern California, my friends don't need a nest, they don't need a heated nest box because it's already 80 degrees there anyways all the time. And, um, and even their fluctuation at nighttime doesn't draw down that much. But me up here, I actually have a heat pad or a heated like a, a dog dog mat or a pig mat, you know, those mm-hmm. big those big industrial heat mats. I actually use that in every single one of my deep soils because the air here and the temperature here gets too cold where it, the the draft of that makes the soil cold. And um, that's where I guess um, you know, that's a key to breeding is keeping soil at a warm temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you just have 10 inches of soil and no heat directed to it, in it, or aiding it, you are essentially um, calling for disaster. They, mm-hmm. won't re- they won't really use it. You'll have a waste. It'll be soggy. Um, you know, just it'll create more smell and build up than it does do any good. So the whole heating of that helps out a lot and it also mirrors what the soil would be like in in Indonesia or in those places where it's around the equator or underneath the equator you know and it's hot 
stays um, yeah stays stays warm right and stays warm and the soil there is much different than it would be here or whatever you know anywhere that's it's just cold and we're just trying to essentially mirror or copy what the 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 wild environment would really give them and you know just try to do it in our cages um, that heated soil again to anybody that wants to work with monitors and you possibly in a colder state heat your soil you know in whatever way where it's like uh, heat mat or heat cables or having heat lamps hitting a slate rock buried two feet into your soil you know whatever it just there's a lot of ways to try to to get that going and um, you'll if you ever realize and you see that your monitor never dig that area it's probably because it's too cold for him to even want to dig there and he's only going to go there if it's cold because the cage is too hot. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. He's only going to really utilize that space when the cage is too hot. Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, it's just having like a, a I would, I call them just uh, parts of the cage that weren't really used. But, I mean, it's just, I don't, I don't know how to say it, um, but it's, it's just a worthless or useless part of the cage where you can make it useful, you mm -hmm. know? Nice. Well, we're at about an hour 20, man. Well, Time flies when you're having fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, uh... I hope I, I hope we covered a good amount. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, no, definitely. That was a, that was a lot of good information, man. That's, uh, that's awesome. You got any more, any more truths to drop on the peoples? Um, you know, if uh, you're, you know, seriously thinking about getting into big lizards, building trust is, is everything. Mm -hmm. um, you don't want to go and grab your lizard and stricken them or force them because then they'll just, they'll associate you doing that every time and they're going to put you in the bad seat. And if you try to, you know, come at it that way all the time where you're aggressive and you essentially want it to be tamed, but it's not, you have to work at it in a different route where you're gaining its trust, building it slowly, and it takes time. It, you're just going to piss it off. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's not just going to, it's not just going to be um, tamed after you've, attempted some techniques on it, you know what I mean, that you got from some guy online or, or whatever, or even from me, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, like, there's methods that I I use and choose to use on people once I've diagnosed their case, once I've looked at their enclosure already, what type of animal it is, their approach, what they should do, you know, and um, I've used every single method except for the drowning method you know and people do that they actually soak their monitors in deep water and let them crawl up their arm and call that socialization wow that's um, yeah Jeez. and um, <laughs> you know it's not like yeah a little bath here and there you know some chin rubs that's cool but right you know the, that whole other thing yeah and there's what what we're trying to promote here are confident lizards right. that are 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 okay with you taking them out because then they're more predictable. They're more 
um, tractable. You know, they're not, when you take a stricken lizard out that's been force handled and mm -hmm. he's, you know, he hates you, right? He's going to hide. He's probably going to be unpredictable around children, around animals, around you. Right. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Um, not being able to take to a birthday party. Yeah. Right. And you want an animal that you can hold or, you know, even let it walk around. And it's, it's comfortable walking around, right. not just you know, trying to hide and tuck into another spot and mm. and lay low or, you know, be aggressive and defensive where it's hurting itself and tail whipping and, you know, people don't um, acknowledge some stuff that are, the monitors are telling them right there, you know, the puffy throat, arching the back and, you know, the, the whole tail whipping, mm. those are all oh, just about secondary warnings. Your first warning is that puff of the throat. Mm. If they hold the very tip of their tongue out of their mouth, that is also another, it's practically a defense warning for you. And mm -hmm. if you don't pick that up, that monitor lizard is already, like, in defense mode. You well, know? at least they make it's it known. already warning you. And then, yeah. and then you see the eyes dilating. And if they dilate a lot, man, like, you know, just, just watch yourself, you know, try to be <laughs> careful. And yeah. then you get then you get all the other ones, which is the biting, you know, the tail whipping, the clawing, and stuff like that. And there's monitors that will charge you, you know, and you don't, you really don't want that. And um, people that are wanting to get them as pets and tame them, there's a they're really good to a point of being tamed or being tolerant of you. They're great pets, you know. They're really rewarding then. Mm -hmm. But it does take some time, and you know that's where I hope people really come come to recognize that these, yeah, they, they may be little pet lizards. You know, you buy them for pretty cheap, but they become something much more. Mm -hmm. And people need to grasp that as far as, all right, I can take care of young animals in this little tank, but realizing that when it gets bigger, there's so much to accommodate. You know, mm -hmm. boom, yeah. Sure. From the man himself. Yep. Do you have a page outside of your personal Facebook page where people can find you? No, just that one, yeah. Okay. What about Instagram? Just the Facebook page. I have an Instagram. Oh. Um, it's a big underscore lizard 103, not 103, at, oh, yeah. Yeah. Let me see if I can. I'm going to find you on here right now. Hey. So yeah, just uh, you know, this it was really nice talking to you guys. Actually, I I mean, I thought you guys would like have at least maybe some, I mean, some experience with monitors, but nope. I mean, you guys are <laughs> kind of fresh with them. Kind We're of about as green as it gets. Yeah, that's <clears throat> uh, yeah, that's what we try to do. You know, there's been a couple episodes we've had people on that we just had, you know. We had an interest in what they had for us, but you know we didn't have any hands-on experience with it. You know, well, we um, like I like I've said before, we can't call it the Herpeticulture podcast right. and, and just talk snakes, yeah, even especially you know Morelia. I'd love to do that, but right, yeah, you got to change know, it up. We, they, you know, we've had people for dart frogs on. You know, Justin's in the dart frogs now, and 
you know it's um yeah. we try to keep a variety yeah. you know we want to entertain you know everybody in the hobby not just the snake people not just the morelia people because we do like it all we yeah just we don't love keep it, it all we love right. reptiles in general i love i love listening to you talk about monitors you know that's why i wasn't talking a whole lot because i was listening to what you had you know and because uh, i've always thought they're an interesting you know group of of lizards you know and it's uh you yeah. know this is this was just much of a learning you know experience and for that's me like as one of the else. things about it that i like too is i get to talk to people and like i have no problem telling anybody like look i don't know anything about this mm-hmm. yeah and there's a big Better part to of be the... that way just to be <clears throat> truthful and that way you know like some people are really just faking it like, well that's the thing is like social media and the internet and stuff you know people for some reason just feel like it's not okay to say i don't know uh-huh. You know, there yeah. even if it's not the wrong answer, like any answer needs to be thrown out there. It can't uh-huh. just be, well, I don't know. So, <laughs> like I said, I'm the first one to step up and be like, yeah, I like monitors. I've never kept one a day in my life. I had a Euromastix once that hated me and was yeah. probably just <laughs> as vicious of a beast as yeah. any. I any. think it also, like, say anybody that's either new to monitors or wanting to get into them or, you know, um, or or they're already in and are dealing with this, you know, like they're dealing with the stuff I was talking about as far as um, having expectations, the monitor not reaching those expectations, and then, you know, you're trying to figure out what's the best method here. Um, and I think it was you guys not really knowing about asking absolutely the right questions or um, good, good starter questions for anybody, you know what I mean? And, um, I think that helps out a lot. Well, we are... hope it's a, a resource for people. Yeah. Because yeah, I pay awesome. attention to the hobby. Like, I know Savannah monitors should not be as, <laughs> as popular as they are in yeah. terms of, like, care. And Niles are in the same boat. So, I mean, right. I'm aware of the issues. I just, like I said, I don't... Monitors have never been yeah. something I wanted to devote the, the space and time to. Right. 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 So, you have to get in right. dwarf monitors, man. Maybe. <laughs> space, space. They take less space than an adult carpet. Look at that. Well, I've got space for adult carpets, so... (laughs) That means I can keep baggies. (laughs) What's funny is that my dream snake, and I was telling telling this to Jeremy, too, um, for years I used to look at the back of the Reptile magazine and look and see that albino carpet python. Uh Like, I used to want an albino carpet python forever, and I still do. Get one. waiting waiting for the right time I, I want one and I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to like just anybody that's breeding carpets I want one that doesn't have the head wobble it's always well, the see, right time the the whole head wobble thing that's uh, that belongs to the uh, the jaguar specific um, uh, mutation the if it's a normal just a regular albino um, you won't there shouldn't be any neurological problems no. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, not with the albino. Now, if it's an albino jaguar, that's going to be a different story um, because okay. the jag has the neurological disorders. But anything that's just normal, you won't have that problem. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. And they've been coming in. They've been coming down to a sweet price, too. Man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, just, yeah. I'm debating yeah. on it. They're definitely affordable yeah. now. We know, we, me and Justin have a buddy who's doing a, um, a visual albino to a head albino pairing this year. And uh, so, you know, hopefully he gets a, get yeah. some babies out of those. And he's in California. Yeah. Uh, hey, even better. I think he, he might be close to you. Who knows? 
Are you in Southern or Northern California? I'm in. I'm right now. I'm in Northern California, oh, but okay. I'm. I'm actually going to be moving down, or I should say, back down. I'm originally from San Diego, uh, but we we moved up to the Bay when I was really young, and I never really spent a lot, a lot of time in San Diego. But yeah, that's where I was. That's where I was born. Okay. Um, so I'm assuming you're not going family. to Panoma this weekend, then. Man, uh, I actually, it's my birthday tomorrow, and I just told myself I'm just going to take it easy. So There you go. Yeah, I, yeah, I went to the last one, though. I went to the one in summer, um, and that was, I've actually never been to a huge, huge show like that, and I got lost, bro. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff in there. East my Coast needs shows that. Are like an hour. Yeah. Jeez. That must be nice. But all right, well, all right, man. We appreciate you coming on. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. We'll uh, we'll holler at you later. Yeah, man. Stay in contact right. for sure. All right. Thank you. All right, Have man. a good one. Take guys. it easy. Yeah, man. Take it easy. Good night. Twenty-two. All right. Episode twenty-two is twenty nineteen. <laughs> now started. That was beautiful, man. Hey. I gotta say, that was. You sound like a. Like Call a, me butter because I'm on a roll. You sound like a songbird. I, you know. Tweeting your tweet through the. Barry Manilow who? Huh? Barry, Barry Manilow oh who? Oh gosh. Dude, what what did you see? Dude, in your, that's dude, a baby what worm. Is that? It's a baby I worm. I have earthworms in you there. You have earthworms and in there? And they're procreating. Uh, there's dude, a baby I, one in I there. I saw this little thing yeah, just like wiggling around in there. We're like talking and Jacob all of a sudden like his jaw drops and he's like looking at this rock and this little tabletop terrarium I have. And he's like, what is this? And I look, and it's a little baby earthworm. I've never seen a little baby uh, earthworm, I was dude. looking at it. I was like, I think Justin has an alien in no, his dude. little terrarium I've, here. Like, I put a few in there, but I guess I had some. Yeah. They, I don't know how those things reproduce, but either way, there's a little worm in there now. Yeah. There we're big worms now. There's That's big so worms. funny, man. I saw just a little thing wiggling because I see the, these isopods. Those are the springtails. Oh, springtails. Sorry. Those things are going Springtails everywhere, dude. Yeah. Those I things are covered in, in everything, there. and then I just saw this little thing wiggling. I'm like, "What yep. the hell is it's that?" Little, it's the tiniest earthworm I've ever yeah. seen. Where is it? How cool oh, is shoot. that? Is it still there? No, he he went down uh, into the. He's in the little algae, uh, whatever okay. that is. The the the, the moss. <laughs> I was I got distracted. I'm like, <laughs> what the heck is that? Cool. Uh, All right. It feels well, good to be back, man. I'm pumped. Yep. Next week, uh, we're going to be joined by Casey Cannon once again. Um, he's going to give us a post-Australia uh, trip, trip, and we're going to hear some of his stories. That'll and, be cool. And hear how he did not I was going to say, should we go ahead and say he did not find no, the camel like we not. had requested of him. So now I think... He has uh, to send us a pair of stone washbowls. You know, I think what, you know what we're going to do? Uh, Casey, if you're, if you're listening, this next week, Justin and I are going to come up with a punishment for you, and you're going to have to do it at Carpet Fest. If, that, if I'm going to be there. You're not going to be there. We don't know yet. I'm 90% sure I'm not going to be there, but there is that 10%. I'll record, I'll record it. I'm going. I'm still going, so... I mean, I can go. I'm just going to have to find a new job. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'd rather not. Yeah, no. But, but I'm still going. I can record it for you. You say so you can still see it. 
his punishment because we have to come up with something for him. But yeah, we're going to talk about his Australia trip. Yeah, and Australia we're talking about trip Carpet and Fest because Casey is helping promote uh, Southeast Carpet Fest. Um, that's coming up soon, guys. So if you haven't heard about it, check it out. Southeast Carpet Fest 2019 coming up February, February the 9th. It's in Melrose, Florida. Um, it's not far from Gainesville. I don't know if anybody's familiar with the area. But if you're anywhere in the southeast and you feel like driving a little bit or if you're in Florida, even better, please come out. Uh, you can check it out on Facebook, the whole event. You can also stuff. buy a shirt. Shirts are available. Yes, shirts are available. Long sleeve, short sleeve, hoodies. Hoodies. I'm going to buy one of those hoodies, man. I was going to get That's one, but I was like, I'm hoodie. only going to wear that three months out of the year. So okay. I was like, I'm going to get a t-shirt. I'm going to get a hoodie and a t-shirt. Dang it. Because it has to be really cold for me to want to wear a hoodie. Nah, I'm fat. So I'm, I'm little. I don't I When, get, it's, I get when it's cold out, I'm ready. I'm fine. I'm like <laughs> Shrek, dude. I'm ready to go. Shrek. I mean, you kind of look like Shrek. Thank you. You're welcome. I think I look more like Jack Black. It lo- you kind of more look like Shrek and a Sasquatch <laughs> had a baby and it was ugly. That's you. But I'm not green. That's, yeah. Yeah. You got you got more of the Sasquatch side with the, the, Shrek, the mom side. Uh, sure, yeah, we'll go with that. Cool. Well, yeah. Good episode. Yeah, Casey next week. Episode. Ian after that maybe. Uh, yeah, we might have Ian Besselon. We have it's the fourth, so we haven't nailed down dates yet for Ian. But we got some. I got some other cool stuff lined up that I'm not yeah. going to spoil yet. Yeah. Jacob doesn't I, even know I, about some of them. I Jacob almost, gets left in the dark about all these. I know. He's I usually so tell him like the day before. Yeah, like, by the way, we're, having, we're, having, uh, we're having this guy on. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. I almost just spoiled one. I was about to say it and you said that you won't spoil it. I almost said his name. You'll have to tell me later because okay. <laughs> I'm drawn to, I've talked to a lot of people, dude. <laughs> oh, 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 Mike's falling. Oh, all right, guys, All right, this is the here. end of episode 22. Once again, I'm Jacob Bratz with JLB Morelia. And I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. Subscribe, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. And Spotify. We are on Spotify Ooh, We just now. clipped the hell out of that. Ooh. Woo. And we're loud yeah. levels. But it doesn't loud. matter. Spotify, Spotify. YouTube. Check it out. Instagram. We- Herpeticulture Podcast. Her Pediculture Podcast TV on YouTube. Yep, YouTube. My brain is short circuited for a second. Facebook. Facebook. We're going world motherfucking wide. <laughs> songbird. Yes. Just a songbird. Yes. I'm Jack, dude. I'm pumped, man. I'm so ready. I'm glad to be back. Yep. New I year, s- new thing. Enjoy things. this. So much fun. <laughs> You're very very loud today. You good? Why are you so loud? I don't know. I'm all sweaty. It's hot in here.